0: Welcome to the North Street Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is an attempt to connect the people of North Street Community Church in Canton, Pennsylvania with each other and beyond as we interview people and talk about various subjects. I hope this can be a time of encouragement and discipleship as you listen. Enjoy. Hello, uh, this is Ben Hess and I am here today with John Hickok. And he, I actually interviewed him on this podcast before, Keegan and I did, him and his wife Heidi, um, but this time he is going to interview me. And the reason is, is because of we have a um, pastoral transition that we're looking at. And so for the last year, uh, we have been in an, in what is called an interim year, where the uh, congregation has been led by the elders and by uh, Myself as an associate pastor, Keegan as an associate pastor and then John has been a mentor elder here at North Street so with that we at this at the end of this year here and going into January we are looking at uh, possibly having me as a lead pastor and that was kind of agreed upon um, last year so uh, that they, that the church would consider me as a lead pastor I guess um, and so with that coming up, they wanted, the elders wanted to give the opportunity, and I wanted to give the opportunity to the congregation to submit questions, if they had any questions, um, just to be able to get to know me better and uh, kind of my philosophy on ministry and how I lead and that kind of thing. And so that's why we're here. And so thanks, John, for joining uh, me in this little interview, and thanks for being willing to do it. Well, thanks, Ben. It's great to be here.
1: And uh, not be in the hot seat, but have somebody else in the hot seat yeah. for once uh, <laughs> regarding our podcast. But yeah, uh, we're really excited about the transition that is going to happen here at North Street. We don't have a full picture of all the details yet, yep. but we're trusting the Lord together that His will will be accomplished. Yeah. And uh, we'll have some great days ahead in ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, and that's the main thing we want to focus on is that we are um, here to discern the will of God and we're okay with whatever the will of God is in this situation. And so I'm looking um, at that is, is really important. Now, the reason we're doing this this as a podcast is because on Thursday, December 3rd, we had an interview like this in front of a crowd of people with Joe Byler, our overseer from our conference. And he asked several of the questions that were submitted. And um, we tried to record it, but there was a mistake. Uh, something happened where the recording did not come through clearly. So that's why we're doing this uh, to provide you with an opportunity to hear um, hopefully a little more clearer and I will try to be as brief as I can with these questions so that this doesn't get too long Uh, and I also understand that I might not answer these questions to what some people would like as far as the length or if they want to hear more if they want to hear me explain things more I would be glad to to um, to do that in a conversation and that kind of thing so so that's I just wanted to say that as well so i i'm ready whenever you are John. all right
1: we're going to pray thank you father for pastor ben and his family what a blessing to have them here at north street and for them to be considering an adjustment in the pastoral role we think it's an exciting time and we just pray father that you will bless him in every way as he walks through this journey and considers the opportunity that is being set before him and that he will clearly know and understand the will of god regarding his life especially as it relates to pastoral services and we give you the honor and the glory in jesus name amen, amen. all right let's start with question number one you mentioned right. on sunday november 15th as you shared with the congregation you and corlissa that you believe you are called to serve as lead pastor would you expound on what it means to have been called and explain how that would be different from seeking say just an opportunity
0: uh, well, I believe that you know, to be called, uh, is, in my understanding of it, is to, um, that I'm called into whatever position I have or whatever I'm doing, and that, that that is something that is called out by God. So it's not something that is just independent of God, of course. Um, so as I think about Abram being called by God away from his homeland you know, into, um, the, into a new land, uh, that kind of thing. And so I feel, I I believe, uh, in essence, that God is calling me to uh, the North Street lead pastor position. Um, And so, like, how does he do this? Uh, I believe he does this by preparing somebody, and I believe he has prepared me for this. Um, uh, And he's been working on my heart in this area for a a long time, and I have the conviction that this is what I am supposed to do. Um, But I also believe it's a calling that is affirmed by others. So um, we, we don't just rely on our own um, insight, but we also, you know, there's other factors that come into this. Uh, and as an example, here at North Street, the elders are a part of that. That's one aspect. Uh, and then also the congregation as a whole. And so I trust that God will reveal that to the congregation uh, in their hearts. And, uh, you know, I just have to trust that. Uh, and so... A couple of things, though, I do want to make clear is that I, I want to make it clear that I do not feel like I'm forced into this position uh, by other people. Okay, um, that's not something. Yeah, I have had plenty of opportunity to not continue in this position. <laughs> uh, so, and I also want to make it very clear. You know, we've had previous leadership here: Darren Peachy, Doug Graybill, um, other. Those are have been previously pastors here at this congregation Uh, I want to make it clear that I am not Darren Peachy, I am not Doug Graybill I am Ben Hess, and so um, if you're looking for another one of them, um, you have to go find them (laughs) I am not them. Uh, When I first came back to the Canton area from Colorado, uh, after being in Colorado for about five years, I my wife and I came back, we came back to serve as an associate pastor, I did, um, here at North Street, or then Canton Mennonite. And um, I had known um, for a while that, or at least I had in, in my view, that sometime down the road, this was a very good possibility that this was going to happen. And so uh, I, I knew that this was probably going to happen at some point, just didn't know when. Um, And I'm I was okay with that. So how is this different than just another opportunity? I think we have to think about it in terms of an opportunity to do what so if It's an opportunity for me just as a I don't know um, Just to have more influence or to have more power or that kind of thing. Well, we know that's not really Right, you know that's not my heart at all. That is not what I'm seeking. And if I am seeking that, it's probably not the right area. Um, But if it is an opportunity to fulfill my calling that God has called me to, um, as an ordained pastor and as somebody who has been in this position now and and is looking at the future and the future for North Street, um, I think to fulfill God's calling, yeah, I should take that opportunity. Um, and so it's not, an, not just like any opportunity, but it is an opportunity for me to fulfill my calling. And I believe that uh, pretty sincerely. So, yeah. All right. Great, okay. Ben. Thank you. Yep. Good,
1: re- good response to the first question. You said that you feel that God has prepared you for such a time as this. Uh, that, that rejoices my heart because I believe God is always working with us in ministry and preparing us for what he would have us to do. And that kind of segues into the next question that has to do with uh, uh, qualifications to serve, Mm. especially in a role of lead pastor. A little bit of different twist, I think, from that of an assistant or an associate pastor, or even an elder. I think a lead pastor carries some uh, responsibilities that might uh, require different qualifications and that sort of thing. So maybe in response to... Uh, answering the question of what qualifies you as lead pastor you could share a little bit too about maybe your past experiences in education
0: yeah no that's that's good I so qualifications um, I really believe it's God who qualifies Um, it's not my credentials Um, qualifications I would say um, you know I I'm here in this moment in time and like I said, I, I believe that God has prepared me for this. And so um, I don't know what other qualifications in that sense you could have other than the biblical qualifications for eldership. Um, and so they're pretty clear uh, in 1 Timothy and Titus and other places in Scripture. But I would say uniquely to the lead pastor position here is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it has to do with relationships. Uh, there's a relational quality that I have been able to um, foster in my time being here. And that's a big part of it. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, those who don't have relationships can't start ones, of course. Uh, but, but I I, do, I have longstanding relationships here. And that can be sometimes, there can be some consequences to that that are not as nice. But, um, but I think overall it's a, it's a good thing. I believe relationships are very valuable. And, and so, you know, I grew up in this church from a long ago, so I have kind of a historical perspective that's a little bit different than a lot of people. Um, but again, experience um, is, is a big part. And I think um, as I think about my experience as an associate pastor over the past almost six years now, I think it is, as an associate pastor in this congregation, I think that is probably what is, you know, unique to me, <laughs> if I can say it that way. So, kind of combining that with pastoral training and experience, you might ask, like, what, what kind of qualifications, as far as that goes, um, do I have? I, I am not, I like to say I don't have any, <laughs>
1: qualifications
0: i joke about that because i never went to seminary um and then i never went to bible college and i never went to an actual college even so um so that's you know sometimes people um aren't too keen on that uh but i have grown in my mind i have grown up with training from very young i've always i've grown up in the church my my you know family was involved in leadership in different aspects and uh honestly i've had training under doug graybill you know um growing up under his teaching helped me to view the scriptures a certain way you could say and helped me to understand how to view the scriptures not just what to think but how to think and those kind of things he helped me to understand the scriptures what i would say exegetically Um, He actually had a leadership group that he would meet with, and I was actually able to go to that some as, um, as a young adult, um, and so that really helped me. I did a lot of self-study, self-taught study, and I just wanna reiterate that there is an innumerable amount of resources available <clears throat> to people. Um, with the advent of the internet, <laughs> it has really changed things. Um, and I cannot express that enough. I'm a millennial, okay? So, um, you know, back in the 2000s, early 2000s is really when that, those online resources for schooling, I would say, just shot it. So when my self-taught study really took off was when, in my time in Colorado, that would have been from 2007 to 2015-ish. So um, during that time was when a lot of resources started online. And uh, in fact, Rosedale Bible College had put a preaching course online, and I did that on my own, you know. Um, and um, I would say, just researching different issues. If I um, had a difficult theological question, I could you could research those things. I did some free classes. I my wife told me that when I answered this question on December third, that I said free a lot, and I don't mean to say free a lot, but they were. And so, but. Um, but online classes, I did some through Calvary Chapel um, uh, on their Blue Letter Bible Institute. So Chuck Smith and some of those guys that that you could listen to recordings and things. You could take tests and and get certifications through that. Um, I did some online courses through um, Dallas Theological Seminary. I did um, I, I read a lot, uh, just a lot of reading. Always something new to learn in my mind. Um, and a recent book that i really liked what or i really found helpful was uh called the new testament in its world by nt wright and michael bird um very textbooky but very easy to read you know very much it's just really good um right now i'm doing an online course through the bible project on the hebrew bible i just find that find fascinating you know how jesus would have read the bible in his when he was you know here on earth like Wow, that is just really oh, cool. Awesome. Um, and yeah, they, so there's a lot of stuff like that that I have done. Um, and again, just general experience, whether it's leading youth group. Uh, my wife and I did that for a little bit. Um, I helped to start a men's Bible study back in the day. Uh, I helped with young adult ministry leadership um, in, at, um, in Colorado. Um, I was directly discipled by a pastor for pastoral leadership. Um, I had gone to a pastor and said, "Hey, I think God is calling me to this. I don't know what it looks like. And he took me under his wing and we went through various pastoral books whether it was just on pastoral leadership, spiritual formation, um, preaching, and we talked about these things and we processed these things. And now, um, again, six years in the past, these last six years, having just been immersed in the pastoral ministry uh, as an associate pastor here at North Street, I realized that God has, wow, I, I'm amazed at where God has brought me. And so, um, you know, I don't want to toot my horn or anything, but at the same time, I do want to say I, I do have some experience now. And, um, and it's exciting to see that, where Amen. God has brought me. So, Amen. It is exciting. Yeah. yeah. Really appreciate the reminder that God
1: doesn't call the qualified. Yeah. He qualifies the the called. called. Amen. uh, Yeah. It's very important. (laughs) And uh, you nailed it there, Ben, on that particular comment. Very, very important. Appreciate your uh, comments, too, about continuing education and and being a student uh, in the respect of of much study and Mm. um, putting yourself in a position where you can learn more things. That that's just great.
0: Yeah, and if I could say just a little more, you know, it's one thing to learn from a book. It's a whole nother thing when you're actually dealing with these situations in a relational way, and um, we can come up with all these ideas in our minds about how we would handle certain situations, but until you're faced with it, you know, face to face. There's a level there of learning and experience that just can't be beat any other way. I mean, you can spend all the time in seminary, but when it's feet on the ground, um, it, it, it's a little different. I'll just say that Amen, my right. understanding. <laughs> <laughs> Great.
1: Now, if I were in your position, which I am not, <laughs> but I have been there in the past oh, where right. I'd considered senior pastor positions and uh, gone before committees to be interviewed and so on and so forth in these respective churches that I served. There's there's a tendency in my heart to think about the future, what would be my plan for the church, what would be my goal, what would I like to see changed uh, regarding the process of their ministry, or maybe something like that. So in respect to you in North Street, Ben, uh, if appointed to serve as lead pastor at North Street, what personal goals or plans or changes might you be thinking about for the congregation at North Street?
0: Yeah, so, you know, for me, I like to think about immediately. What, what are things that we can do immediately? What are things that I can do? Um, you know, maybe I'm a little practical that way. Um, I don't know. But I think that for me, a goal for myself, first of all, um, and this is so vital, um, is that i would be in communion with god uh it sounds simple but it's that is really has to be a big focus of my life to just be in constant awareness of his presence in my life to be in a constant awareness of my need for him daily not just you know here and there it's it's a daily need i am in a position of need and uh you know, sometimes that might make me look weak, but it makes God look a lot more strong. Um, it's something I want to Well, when clear. we are weak, He is strong. I, amen. Amen. And so um, I was reminded of that this this weekend. Um, just God r- brought that to my, you know, mind. And uh, and you know, I want to lead by example. I want to lead by example, and I I want the Holy Spirit fruits to be evident in my life. And um, I want them to be abundantly produced in my life, and um, so the, that's really the main thing I want to say for myself. As far as other practical goals, in the sense of the church and the, in relation to me and and elders, even I would say, in some sense, would be just improving on communication. It seems like uh, you know that is a constant thing, uh, no matter how many. Phones we have, various ways of getting hold of each other, there's always a need for better communication somehow. Um, I would also like to improve on our visitation. Um, I'd like to be able to, I actually, um, well, I'll talk about that more later. There's another question having to do with visitation, but I would like to also develop more uh, like a leadership group of some sort um, that directly involves potential preachers uh, or current preachers um, current and potential teachers pastors elders leaders etc in the church I just like to see a group of of people um, in that uh, getting together kinda thing Um, I'd like to improve on our formal discipleship in the sense particularly in the area of Sunday school or what we call Sunday school discipleship groups that kinda thing I'd like to see a little more variety, a little more of some classes and that kind of thing. I think that's something that's an area that we, we just need improvement on. Another big thing is just granting permission to people to be able to serve as God has called them to serve, um, equipping the the congregation for outreach for um, maybe through service and that kind of thing. Um, I think that's something that for me, uh, as we continue into the future, we need to continually be um, working on and so kind of as an overall vision you could say I really want to I, I see North Street kind of as a stable um, uh, a vibrant uh, loving community that's uh, centered around Jesus and uh, you know that's Bible believing and, uh, and I really see this community as a people who um, are actively engaged um, they're engaging their neighbors, right, with positive and, and creative ways um, in positive and creative ways to, um, to reach out for God's kingdom. It's not just for North Street, but it's for the kingdom and I really see that as um, who North Street is and who North Street can become more of, I guess, in the next in, as we go into the future okay that's big vision yeah you could say it it sounds like your your goals and your vision for
1: north street are in response to what you perceive as needs within the church and needs regarding ministry of a church Mm -hmm. in any particular locale yeah so that's awesome yeah what would you say just just as a follow-up to that do you do you see anything as being one particular need at North Street that would, yeah, would so, require maybe immediate or more of an emphasis
0: uh, yeah. as far as that need goes? I definitely, there's a few areas I would say um, you know I, I already talked about some of the practical things, I think another big vision I guess you could say and and, and some of this has to do with my teaching you know our teachings here and, and just trying to get um, people to rally around something I guess you could say would be um, just, I think we need to keep our focus on Jesus. And I don't know how Absolutely, else to say brother. that. Um, it seems like in our world today, with COVID, with the elections recently, um, there has been a tendency to, to shift our focus. And, and I'm just going to say that like it is. And I really believe that, I, you know, I want to see revival. I want to see people come into Christ. And if we're going to see that, we need to keep our focus on Jesus and not on all of the other things. Uh, the other things can come into play in some ways, but that's not our focus. Um, and and so I I really believe that if we keep our focus on Jesus, we will see some amazing things happening. Um, and especially in the time we live in, uh, I really I really believe that. So that's kind of a broader spiritual aspect to that. Um, mm-hmm. I would say a couple other needs that I would like um, or at least I think we need to work on as a church is and this is very practical this is very you know yeah immediate I would say would be our worship our worship could definitely uh, we, we could use some improvement there as far as the worship singing and, and that kind of thing some of those things I love our worship team I love our worship committee I love our worship teams I love how we do it um I just see such a heart there, and I just want to be able to figure out how to continue to uh, equip and give permission to people to use their gifts for God in that way. So that's one area. Um, another area would be children's ministry. I really believe we have a lot of children and a lot of families, and uh, you know, it's just an area that we'll need and work donors so. amen so, so those are a couple of other aspects.:
1: Okay, good. Uh, Having served myself in pastoral positions, as I referenced earlier, I know that uh, people like to hear from the pastor, a lead pastor. And uh, that's true of visitation. Even outside of Sunday services, they they like to know that the pastor is available and that he's willing to come and visit. And uh, so as we think about visitation as a ministry aspect of the church, what is your... Plan, if any, or your thoughts I guess might be a better way to say it regarding visitation, a visitation program I wouldn't think that you would assume this responsibility totally on yourself perhaps you have plans to include others and um, do you see how visitation might affect maybe even church attendance in some way,
0: Mm. so
1: maybe you could just share a few thoughts about visitation plans
0: yeah no i um i think church visitation is it's something i enjoy um and something that always needs done i feel like um as far as part of just life um i i do have i guess a plan i'd like to see um as we go forward i'd like to be able to i one of the things that i was i've been thinking a lot about is figuring out ways that we can get others involved um, in that in in visitation because you know I have a family, Keegan has a family as pastors here and you know it's there's always more people that need visited and it's like we can't do it all and we recognize that Um, and we can only do so much with our time and especially when you're planning on preaching and then you have other things that come up um, you know it it can be pretty pretty um i don't want to say yeah it can it it, it, get, it fills up your schedule it's I guess. Full. Mm-hmm. um and so actually i have been working on this some already trying to you know um think about how we could do this and and so what i like i said what i'd like to see is a group of people um that could be organized to to do this alongside not to replace Keegan and i but to assist in helping uh, just make connections because connection and relationship I believe is the key to um, sustaining um, a congregation and not just sustaining but also in uh, bringing in new people so when a new person shows up and they fill out a visitor card that's kinda what we have in place right now is a visit as a as a visitors card that people fill out and I, I like that, and I, you know, I'm not saying it couldn't be improved on. I think it, maybe it could. We could see what we can do there. Um, but I think that relationship, anything that aids in the relationship of those new people, whether it be a visitation or a phone call or something like that, um, that is the key, I think. And so, yeah, learning how to do that in a way that's, um, in in a good way, in a good way. Yeah, um, sure. So I'm. Like I said, it's something that we need to work on and something that we're looking forward to. All right, your reference that you've been an associate pastor for the
1: better part of six years now and um, uh, looking at assuming responsibilities as lead pastor and therefore moving from associate to lead, um, what do you think is going to change? Are there going to be any changes? Is anything going to be done any different than, say, what you've been doing?
0: Yeah, so... the the changes it's been interesting as uh, an associate pastor kind of in this interim year period it's been challenging uh in different ways to say the least um and i'm not just talking about covid or like you know all the challenges of the year regarding that kind of stuff what i mean by that is just in terms of the position um you know one of the things I've been encouraged to do is to just act like a lead pastor. And so I do that to a certain extent, you know, by and large. Um, you know, when it comes to organizations outside of the church that, that want to talk to the pastor, they, you know, a lot of them just talk to me, and that's, that's fine. Um, a lot of them already view me as the lead pastor. And a lot of people in the congregation actually kind of have expressed that as well. But as far as, like, there's always this overshadowing thing of kind of this, this thing that, like, I don't actually have that pastoral authority. And it sounds like, it, it's just a little, it can be a little hard at times to know my place, I guess. And so, um, I think it has more to do with the fact of how I see myself um, and the permission I have to lead. Um, than it does. And, and it, that can trickle down to some of the practical aspects of leadership, and it can affect me in that way. Um, you know, I try to take as much responsibility as I can, uh, especially if something goes wrong. I try to own that. But it can be a little bit difficult sometimes knowing how to handle some of that. Um, but again, we have a wonderful leadership here. And even as a lead pastor, my default position is that especially with any big decisions, if they don't need to be solved right away, if, like if a decision doesn't need to be made right away, my default is to take it to a group of wise people who we have as the elders to discern about certain decisions. And that, that is extremely helpful to, um, I think to anyone in a leadership position, to have a group of people where we're working together on these different things. Um So hopefully that answers the question a little bit, but yeah.
1: um, yeah, I think that's good. I think we all struggle with identity, yeah. and um you know, a lot of us men, believe it or not, are identified <laughs> by the job that we hold and the yep. work that we do, <laughs> but that's not our only identity if we 're married, then we 're a husband, if we have children, then we're a father, and we've got to balance all these things along with the work, and sometimes I think. If we're not careful as a congregation, we see our pastor as being simply our pastor, mm. who comes when we need him. You're right, and that can't always be the case because mm. we we're not just the pastor; we have other responsibilities in life as well. So good, thank you for sharing that. Uh, some questions came in as it relates to um, scriptures in specific sense, and uh, one of the questions is what. Is meant in your view, when the Bible says in Matthew five thirteen and fourteen, that the church is to be sought in the light of the world, and how can we do that, um, say, uh, as an emphasis from the pulpit, maybe mm-hmm. in preachment or in in the communications that we have?
0: Yeah. So when I answered this um, on December third, um, you know, I kind of went into the scripture and talked about it took it apart a little bit to explain why I view the things I, 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 I do. Um, but I would, I would say that, um, so in, in that scripture, um, that salt and, and light are things that really, you know, salt flavors. It flavors food. It's something that was used as a little bit of fertilizer. Even today, people use it in the right amount as fertilizer. You don't want to, you know, put tons of salt out, it'll kill everything, of course. But, um, but it's, it's the, it flavors things. Uh, light is good because it helps you to see things, right? If you're traveling in the dark, um, say, in that time, if you're traveling towards, you're going from Jericho to Jerusalem, and uh, up ahead you see Jerusalem, you see the light coming from the temple, and, and, you know, it's dark out, and you see the light, that would give you a, a great sense of comfort and direction as to where you're heading. <laughs> so Amen. those things are... Are important, <clears throat> And so when you look at that scripture, uh, particularly verse 16, I believe, kind of tells you what this light and salt is. And this light and salt is uh, the good works. It's good works. And it's good works in contrast with um, those who either don't do good works or those who do good works and are trying to get some sort of credit for themselves. As a Christian, we do good works and we leave it at that. We say all glory goes to God. Uh, and I don't have to get any credit for this. And that's the difference. That's the difference between, say, the world and how a Christian um, thinks and that kind of thing. Um, I'm trying to think of how to express this uh, as far as it relates to the pulpit. Um, you know, st- sometimes people think maybe I don't call out sin enough, or, uh, you know, Keegan and I in, the, in that sense. Um, I'm not saying that calling out sin in is a bad thing. I think we should call out sin um, when appropriate. Um, it's just not, to me, it's not, all the, it's not something that we should, it's not always something we should be doing all the time, I guess, uh, or be, being defined in that way. Um, and so, you know, for me, um, again, understanding that we are to flavor this world with good works that are from God, that we're to be a light to this world with good works from God. Um, That is kind of the emphasis of this passage, I believe. Um, I also wanna say that, you know, in relation to all of the sin issues of this world and everything that's going on, um, again, it might not seem to some people like I um, am focusing on sin a lot, uh, or at least calling it out and that kind of thing. But I, w- I, I just I would be careful because I think a lot of how we view the Bible filters into the, our teaching of the Bible. Of course it should. Um, if I viewed the Bible primarily as a, a rule book, as something that um, determines what I do morally, now I'm not saying that it shouldn't, of course it does talk about morality, of course it does talk about right and wrong and different aspects of that. But um, but I believe that the Bible is primarily um, a word given to us by God to point us to Himself, to Jesus, uh, and revealing who Jesus is, and revealing who God is through Jesus. Um, and so there are a lot of passages that um, While they contain a lot of moral type things, they are not, you know, as a whole, they're pointing us to Jesus. And when we talk about morals, um, you know, what is going to save me from my sin? Is it me just doing less sinful things? You know, that might be part of it, but at the end of the day, it's Jesus. Jesus is the one who saves me, not me just doing good things. Um... And, and and that's a really a core tenet of our faith. Of as a Christian, our faith is in Christ Jesus. It's not in our own good works. It's in Christ. And out of our faith in Jesus, then comes the good works. Then comes uh, that kind of living. So I want to. I just want to make that clear. I guess that when I preach, I'm going to be preaching Christ crucified, uh, as Paul kind of was saying. You know and. I don't want to um just be preaching about how to live a better life. That that's an aspect of it, but not the core focus, uh, is kinda what I wanna make it clear, I guess. Okay. Good.
1: Thank you. All right. Um lead pastors um need to have some sort of understanding regarding the last days. Oh, One yeah. of the questions that came in had to do with this big word called eschatology. Yep. And there's another word, ecclesiology. There's more words than that. It's just you know, <laughs> they're confusing to a lot of us, but it has to do with the work of the church overall. Yep. And of course, uh, with any church, a pastor coming into position as a lead pastor, they're going to want to know something about the place of Scripture in your thinking and your heart, especially as it relates to... Can I say... um Subjects of interest in the scriptures that have been debated for thousands of years, yeah. and, yep. and yeah. we still aren't in agreement on them. Yeah. For no. example, yeah. we have the rapture. Yeah, and we have the tribulation.
0: Yeah, and we have the
1: antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> Would you care to just give us
0: a, yeah. an idea of where you're I will at with try that. to be as brief with this as I can, um, and I might use big words, and you'll just have to be okay with that. Um, I do not hold to the most popular position in America right now, I would say, of the end times eschatology, whatever you want to say, Um, but I do hold, I I believe I hold to the scriptures. So um, my thing is if you want to know something, look to the scriptures, uh, see what the scriptures are interpreting for themselves even. Um, and those types of things. I also understand that there are lots of various viewpoints on end times, um, and I do not... I'm not going to say that, you know... Uh, I, I think we should maybe explore all of those options um, and, and sort of see what, you know, what what's pans out or whatever you want to say. Um, so, in regards to the rapture, the rapture understanding of our modern day, what we have... Uh, a lot of it comes from a guy who um, who really made it popular in the '70s um, and '80s. But it was kind of before that. 1830s is really when um, I'd say John Darby, I believe his name was, uh, kind of came up with the system that we that is very popular today. Um, but in regards to the rapture, First Thessalonians four, um, I believe what it says there. And it says that uh, when Christ comes, there's going to be people, um, they're going to rise from the grave, or they're going, to be, they're going to meet with Jesus in the air, as well as the people left uh, on, on, you know, those Christians who are here living. Where I differ is probably on the purpose of that a little bit, than some people. So I believe that, that the main purpose and I believe as revealed in scripture is that it, it is so that we will be with the Lord forever. Um, that is the main purpose of that. It's not to necessarily escape tribulation. I believe that's where some of the differences come into play. Um, and I would encourage people to look at that scripture and see what it says will happen right after that. Uh, it's, it's not very clear in First in Thessalonians 4. It doesn't tell us if we're going to necessarily go up to heaven with uh, Jesus up to heaven and and into some sort of uh, place in the sky or if he's continually coming down we meet him in the air and then we come with him back to earth Um, and so those are some of the questions I guess that I would I would say um, I would encourage people to check out and of course people can talk with me about this on their own if they want to know more Um, Again, I'm not opposed to different teachings on this. Um, I just have my own challenges in sure, this. Sure, sure. Um, as far as the Antichrist, I believe Antichrist is defined by the biblical standard, which is found in First and Second John, uh, and that is an Antichrist or the Antichrist is someone who denies that Jesus is the Christ, someone who denies Jesus... Uh, and someone who denies that Jesus came in the flesh. It's very clearly spelled out, I believe, in First and Second John. Um, and I'm very careful to attribute that name to other characters in the Bible. They may be antichrist, but it's not necessarily so that they are the antichrist, so to speak. So I believe that there are antichrists, um, just as it says in First uh, and Second John. Um, I in correlation with the lawless one and the beast in Revelation um, and the lawless one in, I believe, 2 Thessalonians. Um, it, those, those are describing certain people or certain things, okay? And, um, and so to simply equate the Antichrist with them um, is, in my opinion, in my opinion, an assumption that needs to be checked out, okay? Um, it's, it, I'm not saying they aren't, it's just that we assume they are a lot of times and uh, like in Revelation it talks about the beast but it doesn't say Antichrist in there so we have to check that out and see if that is actually what is being said and that's that's all I'm asking is that we look into scriptures and see what they, they say and make sure we're not assuming things too, too much. Uh, as far as tribulation. Um, Again, (laughs) this is, it's tough. There's a tribulation that is referenced in Matthew 24 um, as the tribulation, uh, and it's referencing a time of tribulation, of great tribulation. Um, I, this is a struggle, and I might be wrong. I'm, and I know that's a bad thing for me to say as a pastor maybe that I could be wrong but um, I think when what Jesus was talking about there was the destruction of um, the temple and you know his disciples asked him about that and also the day of his coming and when we look at that passage especially in light of Luke 21 uh, and the Olivet Discourse there and what's going on um, it could be referring to the destruction of the temple in the context. And so we have to consider that. And we also have to consider that the, the, that the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70, and that is well documented. Uh, very, very gruesome. Um, if you read about it from the accounts of Josephus, um, I would encourage people to check that out if they're interested. Um, I also believe that that tribulation um, that's mentioned in Matthew could be a foreshadowing of a future tribulation. So I do believe that um, there is this sense in which this happened in A.D. 70, and there could be a further fulfillment of it in the future. Um, I'm not sure about that, but I do. I would. I am open to that kind of thinking. So again, this gets into the weeds, but um, I do encourage people to check it out and see what the scriptures say. And, um, you know, uh, I, I was taught under Calvary Chapel teaching, which is very strong, dispensational, premillennial. Um, and I had some thoughts. I was, like, trying to line up with scripture, and I was trying to figure things out. And in my studies and stuff, I, I realized that, well, maybe it's not quite as cu- clear-cut as what... Um, a lot of people had thought and so that's when I started pursuing these things and I, I just cautioned people on that so that's where where I'm at and if people would like to talk to me more about it um, I can actually tell you some terms that I would say I'm more all millennial in my viewpoint than premillennial uh, I am I don't consider myself a dispensationalist in that proper sense of a dispensational premillennial viewpoint um, I consider myself more covenantal uh, and that kind of thing. So if you if you're curious about more of that, you can talk to me sometime about it. But um, uh, yeah, so that's awesome. Awesome, that's good. And and they have been debating this for like two thousand years. A long time, long time, um, Pastor. (laughs) Even the premillennial, all millennial thing. I mean, you can read the the early Christians on this. They were trying to figure this out, and it goes way back. Um, So. Uh, and they, but they still recognize each other as brothers in Christ in the church, you know, it was all good, so. Well, I
1: especially appreciate your openness, Ben, to, uh, encourage people to come to you to discuss these things. Through my years of ministry, people would come to me and they'd say, Pastor, what do you think about, and you can fill in the blank, and I always told them, it doesn't matter what I think.
0: Mm. Let's
1: get into the scriptures and see what God says. Yeah. And that's the best way to go, and Mm. that's the right way to go, so. Mm. All right, let's move away from the heavies a little bit. I love that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get back into another question that came in. Do you feel or have you ever been given the impression that those who have watched you grow up would not have the respect for you that a lead pastor should have? Do you think they would feel comfortable coming to you for personal issues? Hmm.
0: Uh, That's more on them, I think, than on you, but how, how would you respond to that? I say yes and no. You know, no matter what um, person is a lead pastor or just a pastor in general, they're going to deal with these issues, whether or not they've grown up in the church or not. There are many in this church that I would say have a great deep respect for me who are older than me. And honestly, I'm just like really thankful for that. And, uh, I, you know, I'm honored by that. Uh, there are others who will never have respect for me. And I understand that. And that's okay. I'm not going to try to um, defend myself in that way. I, I'm securing Christ in that position. Um, so I, I understand that. But I you know I also want to say that um, there are a lot of people in this congregation who can minister to others. Uh, it's not just about me. Uh, it's about how we are as a family. We have a diverse group of elders at different various um, stages of life that can minister to people in whatever stage of life they're in. We have other spiritual leaders within the church that are equipped to to minister to others at various uh, life stages um, or you know different uh, I don't know jobs and different things like that that just lends to the 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 way we can minister to each other so it's not I I really don't view it as an issue that's uh, unique to me because it's going to be the case no matter what Um, whether um, whether I was experienced in this congregation before a part of this congregation before as a young person growing up in the church or if you know they didn't know me from anyone and I came in from out of the area and was totally new. Um, it'd be the same issues that we'd be dealing with. So, um, so I really don't view that as a major a problem that way. As far as feeling comfortable, again, like I said, um, there are, there's such a variety in our church, a diversity, and I think that lends to our strength here as a congregation in ministering uh, to each other. Amen.
1: So. Amen, for sure. Well, we're living in different times, that's for sure. Um, I'm not going to mention the word COVID because I think we hear COVID (laughs) too much, so I'm not going to say COVID. But (laughs) it has been having an effect on everything in the United States as well as around the world. But uh, I mention that because church attendance has been drastically affected Mm. in many ways. And pre-COVID, there would be perhaps a greater concern on the attendance in a particular church hmm. I think it's um, personally I think it's a misnomer to judge the vitality of the church based on attendance oh
0: thanks for saying that but
1: yeah. a lot of people do
0: yeah
1: and uh, so a uh, question came in regarding the attendance at north Street seems yeah. to be falling off and um, they they acknowledge that part of it very well could be covid Mm -hmm. But if attendance is falling off because of leadership Mm. issues, um, that could be a real point of concern. So in anticipation of perhaps that happening at some point in ministry uh, with leadership within a church, and now with you as you seek a lead pastor, would you be open to a time of uh, examination and review at certain points throughout the year and can, if I can just complicate that a little bit by saying if attendance is falling off uh, would you have uh, a response to that
0: as to what you would do or how you would handle that in particular? I'm certainly open to reviews. Uh, that, that, that's not um, a problem. I don't, I don't view that as a problem. Um, I think it needs to be relational. I think it needs to be done in the right way and I, I would hand that over to the elders of course. Um, and allow the elders in conjunction maybe with the conference to conduct those kinds of things because, um, you know, I trust the elders as far as handling it in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that's respectful, in a way that's looking to build up the church and that kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I would be cautious, like you said, about determining the um, spiritual Uh, maturity of a church based on numbers, Um, I I definitely caution on that. Um, I think that if that's um, going to be the standard, uh, that's kind of a wrong direction as far as a congregation could go. Um, so I do want to be cautious about that. I think numerical growth is important, though. It's part of us as, a, as evangelicals. You know, we want to get the word of God out. We want to bring people in who are hurting, who uh, need a touch from Jesus, who need to know his presence and his love. And, um, and you know, if we're not doing that, then yeah, maybe something's off. Um, and so you know, when I preach, I, I want to preach to those in need. Um, and I view myself... As, a, as someone in need as well and so I, I try to relate to people in that way as far as what we would do if there's a specific issue that would come up that you know a number of people would maybe be leaving or that kinda of thing um, you know it's our desire that we would be able to meet with those people and we've had situations in the past where we've had to do that and um, we're certainly open to meeting with anyone sometimes people aren't ready right away to meet uh, if they feel hurt or something like that. And so we just wanna be open to meeting with them whenever um, and give that, at least grant that opportunity. And we're not perfect in this. I'm not gonna say I'm perfect at this, you know. Conflict is, it can be hard, but it's something that I think is really important that we do deal with. I've had people come to me before where they're um, basically saying, you know, we're, we're thinking about leaving because of this situation. And so we talk about it. And, you know, a lot of times I don't view that as a threat. I view that as saying, you know what, they're ready to maybe move on to a different congregation or something like that. And I give them the blessing. As long as, you know, everything's good relationally, uh, it it seems like um, a lot of times people are built up in that. Because this is about the kingdom, not just about North Street. Um, And so that's one thing. So I'm certainly more than willing to meet with people if they have... Um, some sort of contentious issue that they're dealing with, with church leadership. Certainly, uh, I, I, and my desire is that I hear them. It's not just that I can solve all their problems um, and fix everything right away. It's that I hear them, that I hear what their concerns are, and that kind of thing. That's really my heart in that. So so yeah, I definitely, I don't know, hopefully that answers the question. Um, yeah, yeah, I, it was good. You addressed the two two part question. I, right I right. would like to say, right, yeah. as far as <clears> numbers <throat> go, it has been the trend over the last uh, number of years that and people don't come to church regularly. Um, a lot of times, people will come maybe you know twice a month, that kind of thing, and that's just a part of our culture. It seems like um, I think we're really fortunate here. We do have a lot of people that come fairly regularly. And I'm thankful for that. But we also have to understand this isn't something that just North Street is dealing with. This is something that it, we're dealing with as a, as a whole in this country. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's just some things to remember. And again, with COVID, oh, I brought that up. We are in a time where the harvest is ripe and that w- people are looking for something more. And inviting them to church, inviting people random people to church is not a bad thing I encourage people to do that um, you know people need hope and a lot of people feel hopeless right now people um, they need Jesus and uh, and I need Jesus <laughs> and that's Amen. why I come to church Amen. <laughs> so Amen. yeah
1: all right so that uh, that kind of completes the uh, questions that were submitted by members of the congregation regarding a Q&A that uh, we had back on Thursday, December 3rd, as you referenced that earlier. And the uh, recording didn't come out so hot, but we hope this one comes out a whole lot better so people yeah. can can hear your responses to particular concerns in the congregation. Is there anything more that you would want to just share or address uh,
0: that you think
1: maybe was a question that wasn't answered, that should have been answered?
0: Um, not that I can think of offhand, of offhand at the moment. Um, I just, um, yeah, I just encourage people to um, contact me or to um, talk to me uh, if they have any questions. I, I really, you know, I'm open to that. So,
1: Pastor, it's been great to communicate with you today, and it's a blessing to work with you here at North Street Community Thanks. Church. And I just get the uh, tingle in my heart when we sit down and chat, and we pass in the hallways or... Yeah. Uh, on the path of ministry along the way. Is, I just think it's great. But be assured of our prayers. And I, I'm you. sure I speak on behalf of the entire church family that yes. we're praying for you and for Coralissa yeah. and your family that you'll be kept by the power of God and that you will clearly know and understand God's will. Yep. And whatever the results of the affirmation ballot that is cast in January for the position of lead pastor, whatever that result might be, that you will know that God has given clear leadership yeah. To where he wants you, how he wants to use you in the days ahead in yeah. full time ministry.
0: Well, thank you, and yeah. I, 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 yeah, I definitely covet the prayers for me and the family. Um, definitely, um, you know, I want to reiterate that yes, we want what God wants. We want what the, you know, we want to focus on that, and we believe that um, God's leading us into this, and we're um, we're excited for that. So, the Lord's blessings on you, brother. Thank you, John. Mm-hmm. All right, with that, we'll end the podcast. So thank you all for, uh, for listening, and we'll see you next time.